0: Welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Family Fright Night Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Will. Today I'm joined by author Douglas Ford, author of the book The Trick, coming out May 14th from Madness Heart Press, as well as The Beast of Visaria County and Little Lugosi. Douglas, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on, man. I really appreciate this.
1: Yeah. Um, it was good seeing you at AuthorCon, good meeting you at AuthorCon, so I'm glad we can catch up
0: like this. Yeah, we were like table buddies. We had to stare at each other all three days. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun experience. I enjoyed that a lot.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It's good to get together with everybody and see people in person, and especially after the pandemic, to be able to do this mm. now with a little more frequency. Are you going to go to the third one? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Uh, Daniel Braun and I are talking about sharing a table, so hopefully get that to happen. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. I think this is the first year they're going to allow table sharing, so it should be like getting everybody in one room this time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that would help a lot of people. There was certainly some, you and I were lucky being in that ballroom, but people who were on the outskirts, I know that first day was kind of rough. People didn't know they were there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That had have been different. Yeah. Cool. But we were just talking about uh, drafting, actually. What is your process like with writing? Like, how many drafts do you go through and what are the drafts like? Okay, so
1: I'm insane. Um, I longhand everything for first draft,
0: and yes, um, (laughs) somebody else actually does that. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I think that really the uh, I can't remember who said that. Somebody smarter than me said that. Yeah, when you're actually using the uh, pen or pencil, you are really sort of letting the uh, the creative side of your brain do most of the work. Whereas when you're typing, a lot of us tend to edit while we do that. And so we don't, we tend not to play as much. And um, I was, I picked up this, doing this when I went to, um, I, I participated in Jeff Vandermeer's Wonderbook Workshop, where he he brought this up as something he did. And since then, I've been doing it and it's, it really works well. And then, you know, you do the second or third draft with the typing and working it out, fixing it, making it coherent. And then you focus on that. And yeah, I I found that really works really well.
0: Do you ever get writer's block when you're doing the first draft? Um,
1: I'm I'm going to knock on wood while I say this. Um, I, I haven't, it, but it, that's because I let myself write garbage. And if I let myself write garbage, sometimes I got to tell myself it's okay. This can suck because it'll be fixed later, um, and uh, hopefully it is somebody can tell me otherwise. Nope. That was never fixed. Um, but I, um, I, I tend to write through it. In fact, I was just telling somebody who was talking to me about how oh, I got to get through, you know, getting over these hurdles right now. And I, I told him the only way to do that is by writing. So, you know, I mean, everybody's different though, you know? So.
0: Yeah. I think the second draft is so usually where I hit the hurdle of where I'm yeah. like, everything I just wrote is garbage all of a sudden. Yeah.
1: Because now you're editing. Now you're questioning everything you did. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: It's the super fun part of writing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you've had a really big year. You've had things coming out left and right. What's that about?
1: Um, well, I, I I don't know if I can ever duplicate this year uh, because I do have a lot of things coming out at once. Um, and I, I'm not sure how I managed to make this work. But I just had uh, Babel released as part of the Madness Heart Press uh, pocketbook series. And that's, that's a little novelette uh, that came out just a couple weeks ago. And then, uh, like you said, the trick is coming out. I have a novella that is included in the collection table for three with uh, Holly Ray Garcia and Rebecca Rowland. And this is a charity anthology for uh, people who are uh, at food risk. And it's the benefits of that are going to a Houston food bank, um, so that I have a novella in that, and it's really I'm you know I'm the ugly duckling in that because Rebecca and Holly are amazing. They're 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 producing really good work in there, so it's going to be worth it for them, especially. And then I have uh, like you, said, um, I later in the year I have a, another novelette coming from DNT Publishing uh, called uh, "The Dead Cats of Civilization." So like I said, I don't think I'll be able to duplicate quite this frantic <laughs> pace of releases this year.
0: Wow. Like what is your writing schedule like? Do you have a daily schedule you stick to or is it just wherever you get time because I know you teach too.
1: Yeah, um so what I've done that's worked really well for me is and everybody's different. So I'm not saying everybody needs to do this, but I do have a quota every day. Uh not every day, 5 days a week, Monday through Friday. And that's 500 words. And so, uh, at some point I either write or revise 500 words Monday through Friday. And sometimes the way I'll, I'll sort of, the way I make this work is sometimes I'll bank words. If I had a really good day, I'd say to myself, okay, I don't really have to be that productive Thursday because yesterday I just wrote 1200 words. And, um, there was a, There was like something somebody posted this on Facebook uh, and apparently it's very controversial to say that, you know, you write every day, apparently, because it doesn't like I said, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, But for me, it works. So, you know. But not everybody's got the time I can manage to squeeze it in uh, to my
0: schedule. Do you get up like super early or do you stay burning the midnight oil? Uh, No, what
1: I usually end up doing is when I'm at my office at work, coming to the end of the day. Um, I find time within that, that, that period of time when things are winding down to take out my pad and do some work and I can, you know, usually make it happen that way.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah.
1: The dogs don't let me write early in the morning. So
0: that drive them nuts. Huh? Right. We skipped over a question actually. I usually start the show asking, what is your favorite horror movie of all time?
1: Okay. So that's kind of like asking asking me what, what's my favorite breath of air. It's kind of <laughs> fluid. It it sort of changes with the seasons and the mood. So, you know, you ask me next week, it might be Blood on Satan's Claw or Tombs of the Blind Dead. Uh, but we just pass while Purge is Night. So I'm gonna say that it is. Uh, this movie has several titles werewolf first is the vampire woman werewolf shadow or night of Walpurgis, purges which is the spanish title it's a uh 19, I want to say 71 uh, spanish film and it's part of the Paul Naschy uh, Valdemar Daninsky series the werewolf films that he made and i just i watched this for walpurgis night rewatched it for about the 100th time and Recently, a Blu-ray came out of it, like a 4K Blu-ray, and it's gorgeous. So I'm going to say that's my
0: favorite horror movie right now. Oh, I need to watch that. I've never seen that one. It's
1: really, it's sort of like you watch it, it, the his movies vary in quality. Honestly, the the Valdemar Daninsky movies, like stay away from the the Fred Olin Ray one. But which was one of the last ones. But some of the in the mid seventies through the eighties, I'd say there's some really good ones. They're what you would want. You always wanted like Lon Chaney's Wolfman to be super violent and tear people apart and have viscera hanging from his mouth. Those are that's what he does with this. You know his his uh, traditional werewolf, and um, they're they're fun in that each movie sort of reinvents who the character is. Where he is, what's going on, why he's a werewolf. Sometimes he's in the 20th century. Sometimes he's in medieval Europe. And sometimes he's in feudal Japan. It just changes. But um I love Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman. I think that movie's a blast.
0: Have you seen a lot of the new werewolf movies? Because I know um, well, not new exactly, but like the remake, Del Toro's uh the Wolfman. I know yeah, that I one's like kind of that. divisive.
1: I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a when I saw it, I saw it opening night. And oh, I thought, wow. this is fun. Everybody's gonna love this. No, nope, not everybody loved it. It's just me.
0: Oh, uh, it was great.
1: I, I thought it was a lot of fun. And um, I I thought it did, you know, it was respectful of the legacy of the Universal Monsters while doing something new and fresh with it. And um, yeah, I, I didn't understand the backlash against it you know i could sort of get van helsing van helsing was a little you know kind of mm-hmm. out there a little bit it's still fun um but i thought the wolfman was good at least you know and it it seems like the studio sort of won back some of their their audience a little bit with um invisible man that came out recently which i thought was really good too so mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's kind of funny how they're trying to remake the universal monster movies in like different ways like where they had the uh what was the one the mummy came out with tom cruise didn't do yeah. nearly as well as the Invisible Man because one was more yeah. grounded and one was more cartoonish. Tom
1: yeah. <laughs> Screaming in an
0: airplane this crashing. Yeah, <laughs> I know that one didn't quite land
1: with people. Although the, the mummy design was really neat, I thought.
0: I liked, see, I had parts of that movie I hated, parts of that movie that I really loved. And it's, it's kind of to me the quintessential horror movie where you're not going to love every part of it.
1: Yeah. You know, I. I I enjoyed parts of it. I thought there were some moody scenes, but then, you know, then Tom Cruise was screaming on the airplane. And then, you
0: know. Somebody pointed out to me Tom Cruise's front tooth, and I can't unsee it now. (laughs) They said he has like one, it's like right in the center of his mouth. And now it's all I see when I see Tom Cruise.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. I got to look for that. I've never noticed it.
0: They pointed out during Top Gun, it ruined the movie for me. (laughs) It's like now I can't look away. Oh God.
1: Oh, God. Okay. All right. Now now that's going to stick with me. I got to look. <laughs> I got to check this
0: out. If you could pick one Universal Monster movie to be remade, which one would it be? Oh, Um. wow. Um. So I saw Renfield recently, and that
1: was fun. I kind of like how they kind of tied it into the, the Universal canon. Okay. So I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, which it's already sort of been done, but The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, because um you know del toro sort of did it with the shape of water a little bit unofficially but um i think john carpenter at one point was supposed to remake that god don't you wish that happened yeah that would be great. Have been amazing so i kind of still want to see that that a remake of that set in the amazon and with a boat that comes along with i don't know people people in bathing suits or something you know so
0: i'd watch that yeah <laughs> Yeah, Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think that's a series I didn't see a whole lot of because I have like the box set of all the old Universal Monster movies, but yeah. that's one that I've only seen the original Creature movie.
1: Oh yeah, the the other there's two others and they're they're okay. Um, not, but the Creature from the Black Lagoon is just it's just you know it's gorgeous. You watch it now and just the, the underwater photography, the pace of film, it's it's nearly perfect, and and um. Yeah, I think a remake would be kind of neat if they do it right.
0: Yeah, uh, Go back to where
1: uh, I say, "Oh, this was great," and everybody else says, "Ah, oh, that was garbage." You know,
0: <laughs> that's how you know it's a fun movie is if half the audience dislikes it and half is like all about it. I mean, yeah. it's a movie you have to see at least. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I I'm think... anticipating the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie is going to be that because I saw that last night and I'm like, this is a horror movie. Like, really it's body horror like all the way Whoa, it's like wow. I love dr moreau
1: oh that's interesting oh yeah i haven't heard anybody say that
0: yet it's so, like i'm Mar- anticipating like half the audience is gonna be like what is this and the other half's gonna be like it's a horror movie baby
1: now now i'm uh, now i'm really intrigued okay so maybe i need to move up my uh my my trip to the cinema here
0: Oh, yeah. It was like half of it. I was wondering, did Cronenberg have part of this? Because it was like the strangest stuff happening and the character designs. I was just so happy as a little fanboy sitting there watching that.
1: Have you been watching any of uh, Brandon Cronenberg's films like Infinity Pool?
0: I saw Possessor. I didn't see Infinity Pool yet. Is it
1: pretty good? That, I loved it. I think, um, you know, Brandon, you know, clearly there was something in, he inherited from David Cronenberg. Because the movie's brilliant. It's just wonderful. Um, I like Possessor a lot too. I thought that was that was really neat.
0: Oh, that was a strange one. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I've always been like a diehard Cronenberg fan. And seeing Brandon Cronenberg following his dad's footsteps has been great.
1: Yeah, there's the body horror in Brandon Cronenberg's stuff, but he's doing something I think really interesting with identity and and the way, you know, identities will slip and slide into one another. And and they're also really, you know they they are horror they really get under your skin in that way um i've i've enjoyed both um that one and he did one before that i can't remember the title um but anyway they're all good
0: so um speaking of going back to writing if you could meet one writer alive or dead who would it be one writer who
1: is if i could be or oh, if you can me. meet oh meet um oh, wow um So I think, um, I think Ambrose Beers would be a lot of fun. Of course, you probably put my life in danger. Um, Let's see. I think I'm kind of fascinated by Daphne du Maurier, who wrote Rebecca and the Birds. Mm -hmm. I think she'd be really interesting to talk to and, and, um, you know, have coffee with or something. Um, I think, let's see. Wow, that's a good question. I think I think Poe would be kind of fascinating, too, although you'd have to find him sober or maybe not sober. Maybe he's a lot of fun drunk. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, and. Wow, that's that's a great question. I think I'm going to go with um, I think I'm going to go with Ambrose Pierce and just watch my back.
0: <laughs> that's a way to do it. <laughs> So, uh, tell me a little bit about the trick coming out soon, uh, May fourteenth, okay. correct?
1: Yes. Okay. So, the trick is, um, it's part of what I'm calling my Viseria County cycle, and that start. Those are um, those are what Madness Heart Press has published, um, starting with the reattachment from 2019, Little uh, Legosi. Uh, in 2021 and the trick is part of they're not connected in terms of 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 character more like mood and theme and style um this one is um bizarre um but perhaps bizarro would be a good descriptor although i don't think of myself as a bizarro writer although John, uh, my publisher says I'm probably a bizarro writer um but this one has totally it's it's definitely a horror story but it's kind of well let's put it this way I, I dedicated to um the author of Master and the Margarita which is was an influence on some of the events of this book which are occult and weird involving, Tattoos, magic, and perhaps a conspiracy, an occult demonic conspiracy that goes back for thousands and thousands of years, uh, leading up to a poor, hapless protagonist who ends up with a tattoo as a result of going to a um, magic show that he didn't want to see in the first
0: place. Oh, wow. So what were some of the challenges writing this one? Um. You know, making it, maybe
1: perhaps one of the challenges was making it not just for me. Because I started writing it as a short story. A cha- uh, just I was goofing around with this, this magic show. the The novel starts with a magic show. And I was really just sort of goofing around. And it was one of those things, I don't know if you ever have these moments where, There's just an idea. You don't think of it as something that's going to be legitimately something you write and publish. I was fooling around with a scene with a character in a magic show. And then I thought, as I was going along, I thought, I think I have a short story. And then I got to the end of it. And I thought, well, there's something next, isn't there? And so I started writing that. And pretty soon I thought, I think I have maybe a novelette. Maybe it's going to be about, you know, 10,000 words. And it kept going. It kept going. I kept surprising myself along the way with what happened. Uh, little doors kept opening that made it increasingly bizarre and strange. And, and then the characters just really grew on me. And I I have, there's a character in there. It's probably going to probably be one of my favorite characters of all time. A tattoo artist named Maripin, uh, who... Originally, she was just going to appear for briefly, but she became she becomes an important part of this novel. And then it reached an ending, a conclusion that in some ways it broke my heart to write. I don't want to say any more about it, but it there were things, it, it started as one thing and it ended up another. So I think the challenge was making it something that I thought other people would want to read. And it wasn't just for me.
0: That's always a difficult challenge.
1: Yeah. But hopefully people like it. Hope Hopefully it's fun to read and strange and surprising and, and a little gross.
0: I like gross. I'll be in there for it. <laughs> <laughs> so where can everybody find you in your work? Are you online? I am online. Um, I am. I have my stuff
1: is on Amazon and Godless. I have uh, Instagram at author Douglas Ford facebook on douglas ford writes uh you can also send me a friend request at my personal facebook um and um that's really i think i'm 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 not not exactly hiding out there so (laughs) people can find me
0: well douglas thank you so much for joining man i really appreciate this oh my pleasure thank you for having me of course you have a great night man you too Hey, Family Fright Night listeners, it's your host, Chase Will, here to quickly tell you about my latest novel, Moving Through, available now at Amazon.com. Moving Through follows a group of high school seniors as they mourn the death of their mentor while inciting a school-wide rebellion against censorship. Clay McLeod Chapman, author of Ghost Eaters, calls Moving Through a clenched jaw of a novel, complete with brutally candid prose that reads like gritted teeth. Anderson Prunty, author of Dreaditation, calls Moving Through a visceral soul punch of a book. You can find Moving Through at Amazon.com or at ChaseWill.com. Hope you check it out.